Hello, I'm David, and this is Old News. Hello, and I'm Russell, and it's good to be back. Yeah, so this week uh, we're going to be talking about Dolly the Sheep. But before we get into that, a little little bit of uh, <laughs> banter and bollocks as we described it a minute ago. <laughs> Ooh, there's this, the rude words yeah, again. PG again. Yeah. Did you sort of discover anything about uh, one of the, the platforms that people couldn't find us on? Katie mentioned that couldn't find us on Podcast Addict, I believe. It does seem that some of the apps will only list you after you've got a certain number of episodes. I'm not sure about Podcast Addict because I couldn't find a huge amount about it, but I, I will keep trying to look and uh, find out about it. So if we just keep plugging at it and posting episodes, suddenly we'll get a million more listeners because yeah. you know, we'll be listed on loads of places all of a sudden. Yeah, that's um, the idea. We'll hit, a, we'll, hit a, we'll hit a critical mass, <laughs> at which point old news will explode and uh, devour the world. Speaking of taking over the world, I've been campaigning on my Dance No campaign. <laughs> <laughs> Finding funding and forming a cool lip. Actually, it was funny. I was I was thinking about about this yesterday. My rather brief career in the ballet industry. <laughs> is this when you were about four? Is that what is that what you think? Yeah, I was about four, and I for a very short period attended dance classes, which was probably one of the most bizarre things ever in the history of man. It's certainly going to be an, a, a bizarre <laughs> image for a lot of your friends now to think of, <laughs> given the size of me, right? <laughs> but th- this is this bizarre thing. How many... I don't know if it's like a common experience, but when I've talked about it to uh, parents, mam's always said, well, you did, you did ask to go, you know, mm-hmm. it was your idea. I, you know what it is? I have no recollection of that at all. The only recollection I really have is the bit at the end where I was saying I didn't want to go anymore. Yeah. And then being told, well, you've asked to go. <laughs> well, I know at the time it was, I was going to, because it was on Saturday mornings and I was going to band. Oh, right. You were probably wondering, you know, where's David going or whatever, that kind of thing. And you, you maybe was, you remember you aware of people school or play school or wherever you were at the time who were maybe going to dance class probably and just had a funny idea in my head and yeah yeah that's a possibility oh well my uh ballet career sort of ended after a couple of weeks and that was the end the other thing i remember you asking about which i know you've mentioned not remembering before is uh wanting to play the piano when you were really little you desperately wanted to play the piano is that right Yeah, yeah i had no clue that that was the case yeah how strange also, I, th- I think we should return to the the treachery of the people of Barnard Castle. Oh, right. <laughs> the anti-Durham sentiment. If you were to ever, you know, the, the, this rebellious thing that they've got going, if you were to ever go, go, go there and demand, tell me the location of the secret rebel base. <laughs> they were just pointing to go, it's the bloody castle, isn't it? <laughs> it wouldn't be a particularly great place. <laughs> Oh dear! Well, I thought it's interesting that we, we've had that joke, but uh, a future episode we're going to be doing about the uh, devolution in the northeast. All right. I yes. thought I thought oh well, there's there's a good place to jump off from for 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 that episode. So you got that to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, despite their another another their referendum sedition. talk. Yeah, <laughs> the sedition. How dare they? Old news. Old news. Old news. Yes. We've had a little bit of nice feedback from. Some. From a few people, uh, Helen and uh, Eva, yeah. they both got in touch via Facebook. Yeah, and indeed uh, Katie as well. Oh, who, Katie who, did as well. Who yes. said nice things. And to, uh, oh, said ni- nice, nice things to be in person over a curry as right. well. Right, all right. And yeah. and uh, Steve, I believe, said nice things. 
Yes. But if people want to talk about the issues, if people want to disagree with us and say what you're saying is utter nonsense on stilts and this is why, uh, please, please do. Or like, also feel free to stroke my ego and agree. Uh, D- yeah, discuss on Facebook, on the Facebook page, or on Twitter. We will <laughs> respond one way or another. Yeah. Should, should, should we just end all the podcasts with the word discuss in really sort of that <laughs> unimaginative exam like question? GCSE yeah. exam question. Yeah. Old news. So, should we talk talk about the main issue in hand then? Yes, okay, yeah, yeah. Today's episode is about Dolly the Sheep, uh, which dates back to the 5th of July 1996, uh, when she was born, although she wasn't sort of announced to the world until a little bit later. And I just find it bizarre that it's so long ago. You know, that is, it's more than 20 year, years ago now. I have difficulty thinking of that as being more than 20 years ago. I still think of the 90s as not being that long ago. Dolly lives until the 14th of February 2003, for six years. But I'm overjoyed, overjoyed to have gotten to the third episode of Old News and managed to use the word taxidermy. Yes! <laughs> yeah, I was looking in, looking forward to that as well. Because just, just so people are aware, I've actu- I have actually done some research this week. Excellent, so we might actually know what the hell it is we're talking about. Yeah, yeah so because Dolly the Sheep is... What's the word? Euthanized is or put down. I was hoping you were going to say taxidermied, but well, yeah, okay. And is then, and then taxidermied and given to the National Museum of Scotland, and is yeah. uh, on permanent display there, presumably with a slightly yeah. surprised look that most things that are ta- <laughs> taxidermied have. But yes, overjoyed to have discovered the word ta- taxidermy in my everyday life. You know how sheep are quite dead-eyed when you look at them. Can you have a, a surprised, dead-eyed look? From a cloned dead sheep. Well, presumably, I don't know. You just, you just put inappropriate eyes on this. Oh, could... <laughs> I'm sure they've done that. They put tiger eyes in it just, <laughs> just for laughs. Yeah. Just to uh, discuss the background of this a little bit. Dolly Sheep was born in the the Rosalind Institute, which is part of the University of Edinburgh. And isn't Rosalind where the chapel is? In yes, that book. Yeah, the Dan Brown, awful, dreadful, let's run around and explain things. Yeah. It's the uh, the Da Vinci Code. The Da Vinci Code, yes. Yeah, that's right. So, ooh, conspiracy, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Dolly the Sheep is clearly a Masonic conspiracy. Right. Uh, uh, oh, no, the Tinfoil Hat Brigade will be listening. Uh, let's, let's not go, go down that road. It was sort of funded by the Ministry of Agriculture and a private company called PPL Therapeutics. You know, when you hear the word therapeutics, it's sort of one of these kind of meaningless words which are used used to sort of all-encompassing for biological research. I always find, find it strange that you know, people use words like, like that and then wonder why it sounds slightly sinister. And I think that drives sort of yeah. fear. Where if it had been PPL cloning, well, at least it would be up there yeah. <laughs> up yeah. front. Yeah. Presumably uh, they do with other research, which is more to do with actual treatments and things. I don't know. And, and the two people con- concerned who sort of got, got the credit were Ian Wilmot and Keith Campbell. Their, their names will be remembered for a long, a long time in, in science. But do you know why Dolly was called Dolly? I do. I've got that written down. <laughs> so do you, do you want to explain? Yeah, yeah Dolly was cloned from a, a cell from a mammary gland, or boob, in other... <laughs> Not the terminology. Well, I think the word would be teat. Teat. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of so sheep. What or who has big boobs? Dolly Parton. Which just proves that even top geneticists have really rubbish sense of humor. 
you'll find it slightly creepy. Yes. Yeah, it is slightly It is creepy. a little bit creepy. But I can imagine them in the pub after a day of like hard work in the lab, you know, splicing genes and shaking test tubes and whatever the, whatever else they do, you know, in their, their white coats. So well, what, what are we going to call this? Oh, well, it's from a mammary gland. Oh, Tolly Pot. Oh, 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 oh. you, you can imagine the... The lols. I can also ima- imagine a lot of the female members of staff sort of being a bit disapproving. I can imagine them just going, oh. <laughs> That's that is generally what happens when blokes make off colour jokes, and it is uh, the, 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 the more sensible uh, females around the place do just roll their eyes and go, Oh, for goodness sake. So the, the, the there's this process which is SCNT, you know, the type of, the type of cloning. Which is somatic cell nuclear transfer. So this is this this, this idea of you have a, an egg which you get from one sheep. Uh, you take the nucleus out. You then take an adult cell from another sheep, and as it happens, from from a mammary gland, you then fuse them so that the nucleus of the adult cell becomes sort of the nucleus of the uh, the the egg. Excel. Yeah, the egg yeah. cell, and you and then you uh, electrically stimulate it, which I mm-hmm. find weird. Yeah, but yeah, presumably with very very small wires or crocodile clips or something, <laughs> just <laughs> attached to the 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 uh, the battery of a Ford Fiesta. <laughs> Junk. <laughs> well, that's infinitely funny because it's a Ford Fiesta. Um, yeah, and, and so and, and then thereby you sort of stimulate cell division and growth, and you get the, the cytoblast, whatever it's called, and then you put that into a surrogate mother, and hopefully it takes, and you get this. Uh, you know, hopefully it then becomes a, a fetus and develops, and a sheep is born. Mm. So the first thing I want to talk about was kind of the fears that surrounded this, uh, and I remember there was like there was it got an awful lot of press at the time. It did, it? yes, huge amount of sort of column inches devoted to it. And so the, there was some sort of the scientific figures was the the, the donor sheep of the of the 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 mammary cells were six years old, and so the, the there was this idea, well, is Dolly... Six years old. Yeah, yeah. Ge- not genetically six years old. And there was something to do with like certain bits of the uh, the chemistry of the cell, you know, the, the genes, you know, had mm. or, or was already displaying that sort of age signature. But you would, apparently the, the, the life expectancy of a, a fin-dorsed sheep, mm-hmm. which is quite a strange mix of yeah. sheep, isn't it? Finnish dorsus. Well, it, it, uh, when I was looking it up, I was wondering, do, do, does the fin come from Finland? Because it's spelled F-I-N-N. Uh-huh. Or is it named after Bob Finn, who lived in Dorset and bred sheep? Did he discover it either way? Or? I didn't. No, I didn't. No. <laughs> I didn't go down that particular rabbit hole. Perhaps somebody more familiar with uh, animal husbandry can uh, enlighten us. So the, 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 the average lifespan of one of those sheep is, is 12 years. And, and so, this is, well, if, if she's six... Maybe she'll only live for six years and die. Funny enough, that's exactly that's what happened. That's exactly what happened. But they reckon this might actually just be a by chance kind a of coincidence. Thing. Coincidence, yeah. yeah. So we we'll, we we'll might mention that a little bit later about about sort of what happened since. And so the the these sort of fears were slightly dispelled about the sort of you know, the the aging. But there was an awful lot of fear generally. I don't remember the sort of all, all the shouting about it. And well, I remember lots of shouting in the press. Again, I wouldn't say the normal, general, everyday populace yeah. were particularly troubled by it, but in the press, you know, the the, the people who have opinions, yeah. Well, what do you think people are frightened of, though? Yeah, you, you just hear the word cloning and you think of, you know, armies of clones turning up and 
you know, being led by some mad scientist. But it's all purely from bad science fiction films, really. Yeah, I think this is one of these things where people's like incredibly vivid imagination sort of dominates the tone of the debate. It's also quite closely linked to the idea of uh, you know GMO foods and that sort of thing. People don't like the idea of genetically modifying vegetables and that mm. sort of thing. Genetically modifying animals and then cloning animals. It's all on the same continuum. So if a genetically modified turnip is bad, a, yeah. a cloned sheep must be infinitely worse. So yeah, I don't remember at this stage whether GMO crops were really sort of on the agenda by that point. I think they were. I think yeah. we'd already had the, you know the, the fields the, being yeah, ripped the initial open. trials of it, and yeah, yeah, and people were oh goodness, uh, and like I think some concerns about GMO are justified, but a blanket ban always seems a bit heavy-handed to me. Yeah, so I, I, I thought that was really, really sort of weird. One, one of the things which surprised me is the efficiency of this process. How, how poor it is. Yeah, yeah, it's appalling. So this was after the 277th attempt, mm-hmm. right? which just makes me slightly queasy. <laughs> yeah, it does. There's a slight ethical question there, isn't there, about, well, okay, so you kind of brought life about... 207 how many times 276 times times and yeah it, yeah it and was it, it was the 276th failures and then yeah. yeah and it failed all those times so you, you had like a, a spark of life and then nothing again are we worried about that because we're anthropomorphizing the sheep to a certain extent possibly you get into debates about when does life start and that kind of thing yeah i'm sure the you know how often do sheep miscarry? It's only it only makes you queasy because we're doing it rather than nature. Well, that's true. Yeah, given the reproductive failure rates of, of things like humans, which, yeah. which is sort of really quite high. Exactly. You you wouldn't really mourn a miscarried lamb. You know, a farmer wouldn't. He might go, oh, "That's a shame." I mean, we, I mean what is, it, what's disguised inside that number is we don't really know how many of these just failed in in the petri dish. Yeah, and it's weird, isn't it? How I think if if it's just cells in the petri dish, we kind of are kind of okay with that. It's sort of when it becomes maybe something that's a little bit more visibly viable. You know, maybe mm. a, as you say, miscarrying a, a fetus, then we start to feel queasy, and it's quite weird because in in the end, it's just sheep, right? You know, we eat them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We we grow them purely to just slow slaughter them, eat them, and they're very tasty. I think so much of these debates around sort of. Animal rights, I suppose. Well, not rights, but you know the ethics around animal testing does tend to centre on the fact that we can anthropomorphise certain things, and sheep are woolly and you know look cute. And cute, unless you get too close. Yeah, yeah, and they have the dead eyes, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the sheep with the dead eyes. It, it's to me it seems like a very sort of emotional debate that doesn't seem to be very, like very well grounded in any sort of facts. Mm-hmm. Having said that, right, that kind of forces me into kind of a binary thing. Either I'm perfectly okay with all kinds of meddling, genetic or otherwise, and that's fine. Who cares? Yeah, yeah, because you know it's just resources for us to fiddle with. You know, it, 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 we are the masters of, of of our domain. Or it puts me into another one, which, which leads me down another sort of sort of sort of sort of route that sort of says, well, all these things are morally problematic. We shouldn't be fiddling with them. But like the end point of that debate is being anti-abortion and things. You know, when you move from the animal world to the human world, you know, as one 
continuing. And I find it hard to justify the halfway argument. Well, I I think that's why we have ethics committees and stuff like that. Because you do have to somehow decide where is the line. I actually think that's fair enough. There are some things that would make me queasy. There are some things that don't. And I think it's okay for the public at large to have a debate about where that line is and also to have a group of experts who are the arbiters of, you know, that's making the decisions on Well, this, for now, always having it open. That's something that does seem to get forgotten in this kind of debate, that it's always open to change. So we can say, well, this is where the line is, mm. but right in two years' time, yeah, we might well, decide, no, we, we didn't quite, quite get that right. Let's some, move that. Some, somebody might come with a new a new re, re, research proposal and you revisit the same questions again, yeah. and you might say, no, in light of what happened the last time, or, you know, yeah. 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 That is true. It's kind of episodic like, like that. Yeah. yeah. So the events since, which I didn't realise that Dolly had had six lambs. Yes. Yeah, so a single twins and then triplets. Yeah. Uh, triplets is quite unusual, isn't it? Isn't that generally quite strange for sheep? Or you know, often often is, is fatal to sheep. So presumably right. because she's being looked after and yeah. whatever indoors, you know, that that, uh, that she survives that. And the, 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 the other folk then have then gone on, and particularly the, the Koreans apparently have been very successful cloning pigs. I've got a list of animals here that have been cloned since. You've got pig, deer, horse, bulls, a type of Asian wild bull, which is a, a banteng, okay. a banteng bull, and a mouflon, which is a ty- type of wild sheep. Mouflon sounds like some sort of artificial fi- fibre. Yeah. <laughs> nylon Resistant sheep. to fire. Yeah, nylon sheep, yeah. <laughs> Kevlar sheep, that's... Uh, <laughs> First, first bulletproof sheep. Yeah, well, apparently he's one of the ancient a- ancestors of sheep. But there's been a few other things which they've tried and failed. It hasn't worked. There's uh, another sort of form of wild mountain sheep that, that didn't work. Mm. Uh, so this this technique obviously has some limitations sort of, yeah, for some, some reason. Sort of bound, yeah. Boundaries on it. So despite all the sort of the oh my goodness, you no, know, the ar- armies of sheep are going to take over the world, a la New Zealand, then the. the it, it just isn't going to be the case. You know, there's not there's just not that many animals where the, this is going to work, and it's extraordinarily inefficient. Its efficiency change changes species to species, and then like the latest thing, I think one of the things that, that attracted me to the topic to to do now was that it, the Dolly the sheep appeared in the news just recently. I don't know if you saw that. No, I didn't. No. Right, okay, so this was a couple of weeks weeks back now, and that they then developed some more clones from the same genetic stock oh yes yeah. yes yes so you've got four sheep and they were all fine and they bled full full lives that didn't have the health problems that dolly did yes. that just says that dolly was just a, a little bit of an ill sheep mm-hmm. uh, and so you've got denise daisy debbie and diana which is the yeah the people's clone sheep of our hearts <laughs> Because we we all remember when uh, Diana was sat in front of the Taj Mahal, look, looking lonely and going and dead eyed. Yeah, <laughs> I go, but I'm a clone sheep. Why am I in front of the Taj Mahal? <laughs> Old news. And I know you've looked a little bit about bringing bringing animals back from yeah. the dead. Which, when you think about cloning, that's one of the things you you want to think about, isn't it? Bringing um, extinct animals back, Ma- mammoths, 
mammoths. We all want mammoths. Well, ages ago, I posted a Facebook status because the, there was something in the news about bringing back woolly mammoths. And it's, it's one of these perennial news stories that comes back every yeah. 10, 15 years. I remember reading it in a, in a, in a Reader's Digest book from donkey years ago as a kid. And I was thinking, I really want a pet woolly, woolly mammoth. Mm-hmm. And there was a friend of mine who was posting, going, "No, no, you know, it'll all seem like a good idea, and then your mum will end up having to feed it." And, yeah, <laughs> you'll you'll ignore it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know I've quite always fancied the idea. This is a well-developed well, fantasy, by the yeah. way, of, of of having a woolly ma- mammoth curled up to sleep at the foot of the bed. I think it'd be fantastic. Yeah. Well, I um, when I was at school, I read a story in a reading book. You re- remember reading books? Reading books, books yeah. to be read. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> But they always had like little stories in, you know, uh, maybe 10, 12 pages long. And one of them was about uh, a boy who had, who'd come across like the last surviving mammoth. And of course it was a young, a young mammoth. That always made me wish there was still mammoths. And it it was kind of vaguely based on, I guess just before the time they'd written this story for this book, one of those mammoths had been dug out of the the tundra the permafrost oh yes yeah yeah because uh, there was pictures at the end of the story there was a little bit of information of what mammoths were and and, I, and there was what pictures of like this then, yeah. mammoth being dug out of the permafrost in siberia and yeah that always made me one mammoth yeah just to get back to the that sort of issue get back to the, what we were talking about they've actually already tried the first of all they've tried with endangered species uh something called a, a gower i don't know if i'm pronouncing that right or a gore g-a-u-r which is a big bison-like creature mm-hmm. that's uh, on the endangered list. They've actually cloned. I couldn't find enough information about it, but they've certainly cloned one. Right. They may have cloned more. Right. But they've had a go at cloning some actual extinct species. They're all recently extinct species, because obviously that's where you can get the best DNA yeah. from. So the Pyrenean Ibex. Right, so this was in uh, an institute in Aragon in Spain, the northern yeah. Spain. A creature that became extinct in the year 2000, cloned in 2009. Right. Lived for a massive seven minutes. Seven minutes. Before dying of lung. Lung defects. defects. Yeah. It's really sad, isn't it, that to have that happen, to have something that lived for a few minutes and, like, really suffered? Yeah, it must have really suffered. And also, you know, from a, a creature that had become extinct kind of makes it even sadder for some reason. It's quite mournful that we should let a, a species become extinct, especially one in continental Europe, you know, the, uh, a large mammal species that we haven't been able to, to save. And then to have this sort of forlorn hope almost that's sort of been dashed. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if they'll try it again. They also did it in Australia with uh, gastric brooding frogs. Exactly, exactly what a gastric brooding frog does for the environment. I don't know, yeah. but again, presumably it broods its frogs in its stomach yeah. rather, rather than having tadpoles rather, and things flo- yeah. flo- flo- floating about. The yeah. Place. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Which is curious. Yeah. Also, so recently, recently extinct marsupial frog. A marsupial frog. <laughs> oh, anybody who's a biologist to be jumping up and down, going, "What are you on about?" Jumping up and down like a marsupial frog. Marsupial frog words, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, actually, it, like given that marsupials are famed for sort of having that jump jumping action, wouldn't wouldn't a, a frog being a marsupial be the opposite way and sort of not jump? Or what sort of crawl around? Isn't it towards that crawl around? Oh, it is. Yeah, that would would just be a toad, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah marsupial oh, well, toad. Okay. Extinct since 1983. Also died quite quickly, died after a few days. So not as fast as the Ibex, but none of them survived beyond three days. But yeah, so the, the, there is, there's projects yeah. 
it's more than one around the world to do so this sort of thing. What's that big organisation, the biggest one that sort of has, has that list of species they'd like to bring back? Well, the one I came across was the Long Now Foundation, right. which is a foundation set up in San Francisco. You can imagine. Oh, what a surprise. You're already imagining. But yeah, they're, they're all about like long-term thinking. They've got a project about building a clock that can't be destroyed or would be very difficult to destroy. Right. With thinking around, you know, it'll last for 10,000 years okay. and made out of materials that will be easy yeah, to find. I'm sure I've heard of that project before. Yeah, they've got all kinds of wacky stuff like that. But one of them is their Revive and Restore project, uh, which is about cloning to bring back animals or bring animals back from the brink of extinction as well. Right. So not See, just bringing them back from extinction. I could certainly support that, you know, in terms of species that are close, closely on the edge. And yeah. Species that we can prove have been uh, made extinct through the actions of man, like particularly in modern times. So they, they have a long list of things, don't, 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 don't yeah, they? Yeah, you've got a massively long uh, list. Including yeah. things like the dodo. Yes, and all, all the classic things that everyone yeah. would want to bring back, the dodo, yeah. the mammoth, the giant moa from New Zealand. Right. Of course, that, that would kill all the sheep, so maybe they won't do that. <laughs> Um, it's okay, we can just clone more sheep, right? Yeah, the Auroch will be familiar to anyone who's read uh, Game of Thrones because it, it was sort of the predecessor of the modern cow. Oh, right, okay. A very a, a giant bull-like creature, the Tasmanian tiger. Tiger, yeah. That's something I was th- th- thinking about this the other day when we was looking into this uh, episode. And I was thinking the Tasmanian tiger would, would be something I would love to see. One of the things uh, which uh, intrigues me, though, because presumably on that list will be the quagga, which is the it's it's like a species of zebra. Yes, one of the species it is. Of ze- yes, I didn't write it down, but yeah, I, yeah I'm remembering back. And yes. and that very famously, the last one died in a zoo, didn't it? In the sort of the the late 1800s and there's a very famous photograph of, of, of that quagga isn't it yeah there's actually a side project now to breed a quagga right right because the 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 genetics suggests that the quagga is essentially a sort of a sub a subspecies of zebra yeah and yeah. thereby just through selective breed, breed, breeding we could get back to a, a pseudo quagga so it says that some of these technologies aren't stri- strictly necessary you know there's you could do it through selective breeding yeah. but then what's the difference between selective breeding and well I suppose and genetic yeah. ma- manipulation, manipulation generally yeah, including being part of that it's just long term genetic yeah. manipulation it's why, it's why I've never understood this whole playing god argument like surely isn't like the, the manipulation of fire isn't that playing god in a way like up to the point yeah. where man could create fire on purpose fire was something that only, only happened through you know Lightning strikes. Lightning and strikes kind of and volcanic action, I guess, perhaps. This, I don't know, it just seems like such a simple ob- ob- objection. Oh, you're playing playing God. But that that could sort of prescribe a whole load of stuff. Yeah. yeah. It, it just seems like a very empty argument. And the moment anybody says it, it makes me... I switch off, actually, and I shouldn't, but I do, I switch off. And I would rather hear what's the actual justification. We sort of we seem broadly agreed that animals that are extinct through human action would be candidates to bring back would you be tempted to do the jurassic park thing uh no because i've watched jurassic park (laughs) 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 again that's one of those things everyone would love to do it wouldn't they surely everyone would love the idea of going and patting the triceratops should we well no all i can think of is the, the the suffering that would happen because what we all forget is animals are dependent on their environment so 
you know, a triceratops evolved to live amongst ferns and brackens. You know, there were there wasn't uh, flowering plants. Grass didn't exist. Grass didn't exist. Yeah. They had a certain biota in their digestive tracts yeah. that we wouldn't be able to replicate. Yeah, so, the, so the, they might they might be born and then just very, very quickly, quickly die, die because die we can't infections and yeah, we yeah. can't look after them correctly. Yeah. They can't survive in the modern world because millions and millions of years of path of, of other evolution yeah. has gone on. And it seems like the, there's a certain the, the, there's a circular element to it. Animals evolve. Animals live out their their lives. And when the environment change changes, and they haven't adapted. They die. They die in the, yeah. yeah, it's quite natural. So, I think I'm into that sort of territory of like we're meddling with natural processes, which sounds like we're playing God. And yeah. I've just objected to that argument. Mm-hmm. But there is something strange. I must admit, I've always wondered about like the the plausibility of the whole Jurassic Park thing. Surely, you know, you, you would spend all day doing five five hundred cl- cloning operations and find you've got like five hundred mosquitoes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yippee! <laughs> That's just been really very very annoying. But it it, it is it is curious though. Uh, I would love to see one. You would love yeah. to see a dinosaur. Yeah. yeah. On your point of the suffering of of these animals, just like the woolly mammoth, which we'd all love to see, because pre- yeah. presumably they're cute and woolly. They're like the ultimate elephant, aren't they? Because people like elephants. Yeah, elephant, put, put, elephants are endearing. elephants in fluff. Yeah, wow, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, that that's hug a woolly, woolly mammoth. Mm-hmm. Presumably, they're social animals. Ele- yes, elephants are so social animals, and I just imagine just having one lonesome mammoth. Yeah, you'd have to. Her own. You'd have to clone a herd, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would yeah. have to have at least at least a few, and and then you've got problems of well, then how how do you make a breeding population if we want to sustain them? Yeah, because I suppose then you get into genetic problems in the population. Yeah, that's right. Well, this is the problems of breeding endangered species all over again, isn't it? You know, they have this problem of co-sanguine sort of rules but so which initially takes us on to like the last bit i wanted to talk about we've kind of gone into the more speculative realm but that that's what i like about this subject is that it's all things that are technologies which seem plausible and therefore you know what will be the next step after that and talking about humans are you opposed to clothing humans are you open to it to think it would have value i'm open to it in terms of things like it could be seen as a way around problems yeah like fertility fertility problems that's what i'm trying to think of yes ethically i can't have i don't see a problem with that when you get into the realms of well either cloning just for the sake of it but i can't see anybody doing that anyway no or cloning for spare parts i find that a little bit icky although i'm not sure why okay so if you could clone something that didn't have a head didn't have a brain and was just tissue just you were meat allowing to grow as an arm or yeah an ear or whatever but the sensible part of my brain is saying well yeah it's not a human if it doesn't have a brain and you know it means if i lose an arm i can get a spare sewn back on but it's still what if it just has like a, a stem a brain stem maybe it's only you what? know like a like partially con- conscious like a, an insectoid human yeah that's that's horrifying that's that's yeah horrifying yeah there's a whole there's a whole spectrum there isn't there where you might go well i'm okay with this oh it's just an ear it's just a piece of cartilage or whatever a new knee for somebody so they can walk 
that all sort of seems fine. But then you're kind of into a strange place as well. Well, could we grow sort of new nerve tissue to make people uh, walk again, or you know, uh, mm. par- paraplegics? I think that that that's kind of strange. You're growing spare parts uh, is is a, a very it's a very weird world. I think we, we we're nowhere near having a sort of a moral construct around that. Yeah, and what. I think the the arguments about it will be very similar to the abortion debate. You know, at mm. what point does this thing we're growing in a dish? At what point is it conscious? At what point do we say it's okay to harvest it? Yeah, cut it up and kill it. But also, if it's being cloned from me, is it just me? Yeah, yeah. And would you be the the owner, the person, the the person with the ultimate authority? Yeah. But yeah. then, if it's got some kind of consciousness. It can't be me. Yeah. I mean, if it's just an arm, yeah, I would say I could possibly have some claim on that. It's my genetic makeup. But, yeah, if it's got some consciousness, even a low amount. Yeah, I mean, and how much is that? I mean, if you were to touch it on the end of its fingers and you could measure measure it's a nerve response is i mean that that's absolutely the minimal sort of level of consciousness isn't it in a way just be that's like basic stimulus response you might expect from uh, single cell life mm. is that enough to make you go mm, oh oh dear i'm a bit worried about about this mm. uh, and, and so yeah there's a certain ick factor and the, the ick factor isn't really enough is it you know to conclude a debate? You, you, yeah. It is often the starting point, but it's all, but for a lot of people, it tends to be the fin- the finishing point of these discussions because they just go ick, yeah, and that's let's it. have lunch, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's have lunch. Uh, it's okay. So another sort of hy- hypothetical. So it was talked a bit about reproduction. Uh, if mm. you can't have children, so you got two parents, or even a sing- single parent, who do you clone? Do you clone yeah. a parent? Do you clone? Would you clone a third party and then act as a surrogate? Or do you take cells from both, clone them first one, which happens to work, so then you get in the look of the draw. That's for the one that gets implanted. Mm. That's how I would do it that's if I was on the ethics committee. That seems a little arbitrary to me, but that's what life is. Life's arbitrary. <laughs> oh, isn't that just? A, no, I, I don't accept that <laughs> at all because that—that's just a manifesto for being totally amoral. Like in all cases, <laughs> like I'm going to stab stab you in the chest. Oh well, that was arbitrary. Yeah, well, if but you your, t- the universe is arbitrary, if, if you think about this sub. <laughs> If you think about this subject, though, the sex of your child at the moment is chance. Is chance. Yeah. So why not the genetic makeup of your child is all to do with chance? Yes, it's chance. 50-50, but which ones are Yeah, which? but it also depends on this sort of blending that happens. Yes. Yeah. Whereas here, we're specifically excluding that, aren't we? It's going to be binary thing, one or the other, and this child is neither going to be tall nor short or whatever, or like have mum's nose and father's ears. It's going to be one person or the the, the, the other exactly. Do you not think that would be really weird in terms of relationship, like trying, trying to raise that kid? I don't see why it would be any more weird than anything else, especially if you don't know, because the child, you know, we, we all have this image that a, a clone will look exactly the same as its progenitor. Would that be the right word? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. But it won't because environmental factors affect that. So you, you're not going to know. Yeah. I bet you could, like theoretically, obviously, clone a child and it be of the mother, let's say. But I bet people yeah. could still say, still got his dad's eyes. Oh, I suppose. 
Yeah. Because we will see things like that in even though even though people. they're not true. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously even more speculatively, and I think I think this is interesting is it, is if these technologies become combined with other things. So for example, say you have a child that dies very very young of Ooh. a genetic disease. And the scientist says, or the doctor says, your child has just died. We can take a sample. We can clone this child and take out the genetic disease. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, dear. Mm, yeah. The, then this becomes a little more weird because I think a lot of people would instinctively say, no, that's terrible. We shouldn't be re, re, like replacing dead children with copies of, of themselves. But I imagine a lot of parents in that position might be extremely tempted yeah yeah and what about their rights would they not have rights to say well yes i mm. love this child very much i would like to have this child back i have not thought on that subject at all i, I would need to ponder this longer than we have in a, in the space a short of, podcast of a couple of, yeah so maybe that's the kind of question we could get feedback on because it's it's an interesting one old news it's interesting how all the debates we're having now are very similar to the debates we had 20 years ago when Dolly the Sheep first arrived. First arrived. Well, yeah, we haven't come to any conclusions. Well, we haven't come to firm conclusions, but it also says the technology hasn't really exploded in the way we thought it might. In terms of sort of the the animals, and it, I notice in all this debate, almost all the animals we've talked about are rather furry or feathered. Yes. With the exception of, of the frog. The, the gestational, whatever it was. Gastric brooding frog. Gastric brooding frog. My, my favourite kind of frog. Yeah. <laughs> and it seems we the first thing we, we, we talk about is animals we can easily anthropomorphise, and then the debate immediately jumps to humans. Mm. And actually, we're nowhere near that point yet, are we? No. Old... News. Do we want to wrap it up there? We can do. Yes. Yeah. Right. So, should we uh, do our usual thank yous? So thank you to bensound.com for providing the uh, the theme music to old news, available at bensound.com uh, under Creative Commons. And thank you to uh, Peter Kitson for providing his voice. If you want to get in touch with us, uh, you can find us on Twitter at old news pod you can go to our website which is www.oldnews.podbean.com and also uh, you can email us at oldnewspod at gmail.com or just search old news podcast on facebook i've noticed if you write in old news podcast in google are we the fourth result or something we're quite we're, quite, we're, we're getting there we oh, might, i hadn't we, i haven't tried we that might, we might eventually end up at the top of that search all right yeah <laughs> please link subscribe yes share. yeah please share please a discuss things on the face on the facebook the facebooks oh my word facebook how old am i used to be called the facebook I know it was. Didn't yeah it? yeah when yeah. It first came in so yeah on on facebook or on twitter but also please share please share us and rate us if you're listening to us on itunes or stitcher please rate us five stars wow preferably. This, well this really does sound like begging it does <laughs> well i don't care <laughs> well I've greatly enjoyed that discussion and, yeah it was a good one uh, yeah it was good uh, so I've been Russell I am still David good night we're going to make that joke every week yeah I know we are <laughs> bye bye cheerio <laughs>